Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Do we believe that we're good people? We might have an instant answer to that that we know is right, but is it honestly always what we actually think? In his new book, the nationally syndicated radio host Brand Hansen invites us to look in the mirror, remember who we really are, and find freedom in humility. His latest is called The Truth About Us, The Very Good News About How Very Bad We Are. And we are thrilled to welcome back Brand Hansen for his second appearance on the road today. The warmest of greetings to you, sir. Welcome back. How are things in sunny South Florida today? It's so awesome. (laughs) But with all the the lockdown stuff, I'm so thankful we can always go out and walk. And it has been so beautiful. So I'm I'm loving that. Oh, man. I mean, these are days that none of us could see coming. Just how has it impacted your family? You know, not much in terms of daily life because I have this studio at my house anyway, and that's that's kind of where I've been working anyway. But can't go to the beach or anything like that. Honestly, my I still have a job. I I'm so thankful for for that. Very aware. The only way it's really affected me is just the way I go about because I'm a radio guy. The way I go about talking every day yeah. and trying to think about how can I be a blessing to people in the midst of this and uncertainty and that kind of stuff. And it helps me read the Bible more and I hope be better at my job. Well, uh, one of the incredible things about what you do is you, you're able to communicate with the heart and with the soul, but you're also just an extremely humorous individual. If I may be so bolted to say that. Some of that's on purpose. Most of it's through <laughs> accident. So yeah, thanks. I, that's one of those things like some people will say, it used to be, I think years ago, not so much now, but if you're on Christian radio and you were a goofball, people are like, well, this is just silly. What is this silly? That's right. I think now people appreciate it. And I mean, we're talking about Jesus a lot. We're, there is a lot of depth to it, I hope. And But I don't think people resent the silliness so much because joy is in short supply in our culture. And to combine joy and laughter and, and true innocent silliness with with being able to talk about the kingdom of God, I think is a good thing. The first time that I heard you, I was in the state of Florida, I believe, and uh, two things struck me right off the top. One was, you know, you, you're such an effective communicator, but you sound like an actual regular human being, number one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is yeah. much, much less easy than, than you make it sound. But number two, that day on your program, I believe you and Sherry were discussing something called the compliment moose. And oh, yeah. I would be very interested to know if you could explain what the compliment moose was. Well, this will perhaps turn anyone off to me and my books or whatever for the rest of their lives when they hear this. But like, I would just have this moose sound effect. And if I find a sound effect I like, I just have to work it under the show. So I was like, hey, if you're feeling down, call us. 
and I'm going to have the compliment moose. He's here. He'll give you a compliment. And so people would call and they just hear this <laughs> whatever the moose sound was. And I'd let it go for a while. And then I'd have an interpretation and say, you know, he just thinks you're doing a good job as a mom and don't get down on yourself. And so pretty soon people were just calling all the time and they still call. Yeah. I haven't even done it in a year. But they still call me like, hey, can I talk to the compliment moose? I could use <laughs> I could use the pick me up. So, <laughs> yeah. I, just, uh, I like I like having people listen and not know what's going to happen and think, what was that? Because about half the people will think, man, I love this. This is so random and fun. But the other half, it takes a little bit to get used to it. Well, when we talk about the truth about us, the very good news about how bad, very bad we are, you really come at this message from a thought-provoking direction because, you know, this on the one hand is a society that's perhaps never been more in love with moral relativism, right? But Mm -hmm. simultaneously, we're getting more self-righteous than ever. How does that work, Brand? I think it's because it's so human to be self-righteous. So it happens in a religious culture with, you know, let's say we're not in a post-Christian culture. Let's go back to when it was just, you, you know, you're supposed to be a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. Like people would associate self-righteousness with that. But the truth is it's human. It's not just religious. And so we'll see self-righteousness pop up all over Twitter, all over Facebook, all over Instagram. And it's, and it's just completely part of our default setting. And what's fascinating, and this is what I try to get at in the book, too, is explain how cognitive psychologists who are modern cognitive psychologists, not coming at it from a Christian standpoint, are identifying this. Like, we are incredibly self-righteous as a species. And I find this really, really interesting. And they're saying that we're constantly fooling ourselves in order to think of ourselves as good. So no matter what we've done, about what we're doing, no matter what, we always rewrite the story in our heads so that we're the good guys. And they are just amazed at our capacity for delusion and bias. And what's amazing to me about that is they're agreeing with Jesus on all this stuff. I mean, Jesus 2,000 years ago is calling this out, saying, you guys are not good. And he's constantly telling stories to the effect. He's communicating in so many different ways. You're not good. You can't make this on your own. And it's not even a – you can't – even compare yourself to somebody else and say, at least I don't this, at least I don't that, because you'll do that all day long. But that's, that's human nature, and it's messed up. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you can't do that anymore. So I just find it really interesting that, again, modern cognitive psychologists are winning Nobel Prizes for this kind of research and finding out just how biased we are in order to fool ourselves into thinking that we're right all the time and we're good people no matter what. I want to ask you a little bit more about the cognitive studies because that is just a tremendous part of the book. But uh, we're listening to Brand Hansen right now, a nationally syndicated radio host and an author whose library of goodness expands with his latest called The Truth About Us, the very good news about how very bad we are. It is available for purchase at bakerpublishing.com or wherever fine books are sold. You're absolutely right. I mean, when you describe it that way, our theology tells us we're not fundamentally good people. We know this, but it is pretty easy to look around. And (laughs) I don't think we do this intentionally, but we gauge the goodness of others, right? And kind of sort of come to believe, look, come on, I'm I'm pretty good, though. But you're reminding Mm -hmm. us, uh, no, not so much. No, we don't know. That's just it. We think I can comfortably look at my neighbor or this guy in the news or whatever. I'm better than him. 
you don't know what his background is. You don't know who taught him. You don't know what he went through. You don't know what she went through. You have no clue. You also don't know possibly what advantages you've had. And we're also incredibly good. And this is, again, what cognitive psychology is telling us. We're incredibly good about forgetting when we're wrong. We just don't remember it. <laughs> and you can prove this. You can ask people. I'll ask it right now. If people, you know, who are listening, obviously you can't answer. So that gives me an advantage. <laughs> um, but it's like, are you ever wrong? Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody be like, of course. Yeah, I'm wrong all the time. Sure, sure. Okay, when? Tell me about when you're wrong. If it's all the time, I'm sure you're, you've got plenty of examples, right? The truth is most people can't think of more than one or two of that. It takes them a while. I mean, we deliberately forget. We have this unbelievable ability to ascribe negative motivations to things that other people do without knowing what their actual motives are. We presume negative things and fill in the blank with negative, but not for ourselves. It's always, well, I meant well. And if we do something, and if we do something, if it's reprehensible and we're just caught, and there's no way out of it, we'll actually use language. I mean, like, listen to people. We'll actually use language like, well, that, you know, I'm sorry, that just wasn't me. And I, like, it just wasn't you. It looked like you. It looked exactly like you when you did that yesterday. Like, but we'll use this language to always try to separate ourselves from it. But we won't, we won't offer other people that break. So we're very judgmental by nature. We're very self-righteous by nature. And again, all I'm doing is parroting what Jesus says because mm-hmm. he's telling stories. Again, there's a Pharisee who's praying. There's a sinner who's praying. And the Pharisee's going, well, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this guy over here. At least I'm better. better. I got my problems, but at least I'm better than him. And the, the other guy, all he does is say, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. That's it. And Jesus is saying, be like that guy. There is no, at least I don't. The entire Sermon on the Mount, he blasts that approach. Like, oh, you say you haven't committed adultery, but you wanted to. I mean, everybody is incapable of being the judge. We have to leave that to God, but we want to do it anyway. And the wonderful thing about this, and what I was trying to say in the book, too, is it's one thing to identify this bias we have towards ourselves. And there's, there's a couple hundred documented cognitive biases that we employ to fool ourselves. <laughs> It's one thing to identify that. What I would like us to do is become aware of it so that we can be humble and say, I don't know where everybody else stands, and I'm okay with that. I need to, I need to humble myself so that I can see how biased I am towards me. It's not a guilt trip. It's a way to experience forgiveness and say, I get it. I'm broken. Just like that guy says, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Or the guy on the, on the cross next to Jesus just says, I know who you are. I have nothing to offer, but I know who you are. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Like, can we get to that point? Because Jesus, again, very, very clear. The Bible is very clear. He resists the proud and he favors the humble. It's not about the good people and the bad people. It's about the humble and the proud. So that's what I'm trying to get at here to go. Actually, this is a great way to reorient your life and think differently and humble ourselves so we're not so beset with biases and defenses and trying to come up with excuses and half apologies and trying to protect ourselves at all costs. Like Christians should be the ones who can face our brokenness head on and understand who we really are. You give it a good bit of conversation. And one of the places that so much of this shows up when you start to think it through is social media, right? You look at a comment thread on social media and you think to yourself, how can this possibly be? I mean, 
how can people <laughs> act like this? But honest to goodness, as I was reading your book, it really did start to make more sense to me. Yeah. You know what? There's a thing called attitude polarization and it's when I take a stand. let's say I, I say something and I sort of, I'm pretty sure I believe it, but I'm not positive or I'll pass something along. And somebody's like, well, that's not a good link or here's the problem with this thinking. I instantly doubled down on what I had said earlier. And now I thoroughly believe it. If we hear ourselves say something, they've proven this. If we say something out in the open, we will believe it strongly and go to the mat. That much, it'll take that much more evidence to overcome our fallacy if we take a public stand on it. That's why you don't see people all of a sudden backing down when they lose an argument. We don't see that. How many arguments have you seen where somebody's like, yeah, but what about this? And they're like, oh, good point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Nobody ever does that. We double down, we triple down, we go to the mat. Maybe you've been in arguments where the other person is clearly wrong, but it doesn't matter. They're not going to back off because they said it. So now they've got to go all the way to the rest of their lives without turning around. It's like, again, it's called attitude polarization, but that's what happens when you take, when you take public stands on things and you hear yourself say something, it's very difficult to then repent because we're so dialed into making ourselves into good people. And we don't want to be the ones that just spread bad information. You know, it's just, it's very difficult for us to back off something we've, we've already said. And it's, it really is epic stuff. Uh, some revelations happening as, as I read that portion of the book, but Brand Hansen is with us today on the road for faith radio, nationally syndicated radio host and author, his library of goodness expands with his latest called The Truth About Us, the very good news about how very bad we are. You can find it available for purchase at bakerpublishing.com, wherever fine books are sold. At the heart of the book, right there in the title, it is the claim that may not logically make a lot of sense, but good it's good news that we're not good people. How can this be? Well, it's good news to recognize it. It really is. Because here's the thing. People will say religion can be a guilt trip, and it can. Anything can. I mean, anything that people can use as a stick, they will, which kind of makes my point about how we're not good people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Any power trip that's available to humans, they'll take it, Um, including the best news ever. Even if people can even take the Bible or take, take Jesus himself and use it as some kind of a way to hurt people. But, but the truth is, we're all on a guilt trip. Everybody. You don't have to be exposed to Christianity or Islam or Judaism or, you know, any, any, anything. It's just natural human desire to avoid guilt and to pass it on to somebody else. We do it from the very beginning. I mean, we did it in the Garden of Eden, but two kids will do it. I didn't do it. He started it. wasn't like, it's, we, it's just so us. It's just so us. And so if we come to the end of ourselves and go, you know what? I got a problem. I'm addicted to being right. I'm, I'm very prone to defending myself more than anyone else. I'm just, I'm just biased towards myself. We actually recognize that and be one of the few people that repents of it. God help me with this. And I want to rethink. I want to turn a different way. I want to turn towards you. I want to be one of the few people that does that. It's the only way I think to get off the guilt trip because we're employing all of these cognitive biases to try to avoid the implication that we're not good people. Wouldn't it be energy saving not to have to do all that? 
wouldn't it help you see reality more clearly if you weren't constantly trying to prove to yourself that you're a good person, no matter what, and have to virtue signal and outdo everybody? Just admit, no, I've actually broken, but I have a loving father who knows me better than I know myself, and he thinks I'm worth forgiving. He's forgiven me. Now I'm off the guilt trip. I think that's the only way. I think Jesus is the only way off this train. But everybody else is on it. And you can see people scratching and clawing to prove that they're good. They're proving it to themselves. They're prov- trying to prove it to other people. But it's, it becomes obvious once you're aware of it. I quote uh, Jonathan Haidt quite a bit. He's, a, he's an atheist. He's a writer. I, th- I think he's an atheist. He called himself an atheist, I believe. But it's, uh, he wrote a book called The Righteous Mind recently. And he's coming at it from, again, not a Christian position, but he's, he's like, we are so desperately self-righteous, it's, it's almost hopeless. We are so delusional with our morality, it's almost hopeless. And I find that so interesting. And here comes Jesus who calls it out and then does something about it and gives us forgiveness. I just, hmm. I'm very thankful. I hope that makes sense. It's a long way of talking about it, but I think this is the way off the, off the guilt train. I think that's why it's good news. No, that I'm so glad that you talked about that because that line in your book uh, was was so powerful. Everyone is on a guilt trip, and mm-hmm. Jesus is the only way off. I just that is powerful stuff, uh, my friend. I've been noticing this a lot. I mean, it's, it's of course, anytime you write, it's a, kind of about yourself and my own struggle, and I've noticed something too. I don't know if this is true for you. It's true for me. But Dallas Willard said something, and when I saw it, it stopped me in my tracks, so I put it in the book, but it was about how we're all basically vying for a blessing from a loving father. We're all really wanting that blessing. And that blessing is is for security and love and significance. And we all want that. There's a blessing in in the Old Testament that's at root. That's what it's about. May his face shine upon you like his countenance and we're all pining for it. And so if we don't get that blessing, if we don't feel that blessing from God, we try to get it anywhere else. So we're actually trying to bless ourselves and it's lonely out here, virtue signaling and trying to prove that I'm better and it's, it's angering. Um, but that's what it is. It's a lot of effort to try to bless ourselves. And I think when you see that that's what's actually motivating people in the world, at least for me, I can have a little more compassion for them. Mm. Like that's what they're looking for. They're ultimately, they're looking for that blessing and they're not finding it with God. And Dallas Willard said, the soul needs the blessing and without it, it dies. Like people are, people are dying inside looking for this blessing and anything else, like trying to find it in career significance or romantic love or sexuality or something. Somebody, please let me find the security and significance and love I'm looking for. But, it's really that we're looking for this blessing from a father. So I think that's what's going on. And uh, that's why insults hurt so much. It's because it's a curse. We're made to be blessed, not cursed. And that's why we react so strongly. We're made for a blessing. And if we don't get it, don't feel it from God, then we're going to try to give it to ourselves. And I think that's what we're doing. Well, you know, the centrality of humility in your message is so refreshing as well, because I think, you know, of the many countercultural things that you're saying here, 
humility is not a virtue that is held in particularly high esteem right now. I think it is fair to say, but, but you look at humility and you say, no, this isn't weakness. This isn't letting people run all over you. This is where true freedom is found. Mm-hmm. This is understanding who I actually am and who God is, how, how good he really is. And then not thinking about myself all the time. So it's not a guilt trip. It's a way, it's a way out, of, out of thinking about myself constantly. I, I do, as I get older, I do want to be a guy. He's one of those old guys that he's, he's thinking about other people and he's there with wisdom. And he's not still chafing for his own significance. Because huh. I've run into guys that are in the late 70s even. And one will be totally threatened by me. Maybe he's in broadcasting or something, or just he didn't. He wants, I, I don't know, just totally threaten him. And then there's another guy that's totally giving and encouraging and just life giving. And I want to be the kind of old person where I'm sitting on the porch and people can come up to me and I'm, I'm not like, yeah, well, let me tell you what I did. <laughs> you know, I can just, I can just listen and kind of go, yeah, well, have you thought about this? Hmm. Like, I want to be that. And what happens is, that gets shaped earlier in life. It doesn't, you don't just flip the switch when you're 65 or 70 and suddenly become a peaceful, wise person. We have to, and, and C.S. Lewis talked about that too. It's like we have to guard ourselves. The little habits, the little attitudes that we're developing when we're younger, that's a trajectory. And by the time we're older, we become caricatures of that. We become extreme, bitter, angry, you know, selfish. And you can see it on people's faces. You can, it's written on their faces by that point. But you can also start a trajectory that's less about you. And hopefully by the time you know, you're older, that's how those people become that way. They, they held that in check. And I think a lot of this is about, it's not a, again, it's not a downer. It's just going, hey, there's relief to be found about being childlike and understanding the truth about us. God is so good. We don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah, we're a big mess, but you know what? <laughs> Loving fathers don't abandon their toddlers when they need their diaper changed. Yeah. yeah. Like, or when they fall, when they first start walking. It's not like, oh, you're a failure. I'm out. That's not what a loving father does. He re- I remember my friend Cy Rogers saying this. He said, we, God would rather have us messy than not have us at all. Wow. So that's what I'm driving at. I go, yeah, we're, me- we're messy. And guess what? got the best dad ever <laughs> loves us anyway. Now we can get off the guilt trip of trying to prove ourselves all the time and actually start thinking about other people. And it's, it's a more peaceful way to live. There is such freedom there. There really, really is now, you know, it's one thing to know something. It's another to put it into practice, but mm-hmm. you really don't leave us hanging on application here as well. Uh, you say one great starting point on the road to humility is community with others. Why is that so important? Totally, because a couple of things. Like, we're experiencing isolation right now, obviously, with the stuff that's going on. Isolation is not good. It's, in fact, it's, it's when we're the most suggestible to stupid stuff. And the enemy knows that spiritually. I mean, if you believe in the biblical narrative at all, like Eve's isolated when, when the enemy approaches her. And he doesn't approach her with a stick. He approaches her with an idea. And she falls for it. Jesus is isolated and the enemy's like, okay, now's the time. There's something about isolation that exposes us to really dumb ideas that always wind up being about us. 
at the center of things. But the other thing is, when people actually know us, they can call us on things, that they actually know us. And if we're not known, they can't. That's why I don't think just going to a church service, like, well, that's cool, but you need to be in a community where people are in your kitchen and they see how you treat your wife or your husband or your sister, brother, roommates. They see how you operate so, so that you're known. And the, uh, one big other factor is community is important because it gives us a chance um, to stick things out with people that otherwise we might not. Um, to make it work because we're family, because God loves us and he wants us to be unified. And that's very good for our egos. It's really helpful to say, this person is really hard to deal with, but I'm not leaving. Hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm not just making another consumer choice. I'm not backing out because this is a family. That's what community is supposed to be. And you you don't get honed like that. You don't get developed like that if you're not in community with people that's, that's genuine. Wow. Well, so much wisdom, uh, so much encouragement today. Already just a couple moments uh, left. Brand Hansen has been with us today on the road for Faith Radio, the nationally syndicated radio host and the author. The book we've been talking about today, The Truth About Us, the very good news about how very bad we are. And you can go to bakerpublishing.com to grab a copy of the book wherever fine books are sold. And sir, as well, if we just want to learn more about you, you're all over the place, but where is a good hub to begin the journey of discovery, sir? I guess it's branthanson.com. And my name is B-R-A-N-T, which can kind of weird, Brant. And then Hanson is with an E-N, branthanson.com. That'd probably be a good place. <laughs> uh, sir, well, thank you so much for your time today. It really was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for this insight for your heart and and just keep up the great work, sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you for the encouragement. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.